everyone take a seat, please. I want you to imagine that you were participating in a research study. And so you show up at the campus where they're having the study and you are given a piece of paper. And that piece of paper has a ladder that's drawn and it has 10 rungs on it. The researcher gives you the instruction to think of this ladder as representing the people in our society. At the top lists the people with the highest status, and at the bottom lists the people with the lowest status. Now, this was a study that was done um, of a group of researchers out of the University of California, San Francisco, and also Yale University. And the reality is I'm not actually interested in any of their results. But there's a couple of things about the process indirectly that I found really interesting. The first thing I found interesting with it was that nobody wrote individual names as they ranked people by status. They didn't say, you know, Uncle John and Cousin Charlie. What they did was they ranked people by groups or categories. They might write things like those with a college degree and those who are high school dropouts. They might take any various sorts of degrees. So as we think about status, one of the things that we do naturally is we think about groups of people and where people belong within that group. The second thing that I thought was interesting was that there wasn't anybody who said, I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand. What do you mean by status that some people might have a higher or a lower status? Everybody, even though we've not been taught how to do it, knows that there are certain positions in our world that have higher status and some that have a lower status. I mean, think back over your elementary years and perhaps your high school years. And how many classes did you have on ranking the hierarchy of people in America? Probably none. Did you ever have a class where you were asked to rank people and, and your teacher gave it back and had red ink and said, no, actually remember, police officers belong here and accountants belong here. Nobody has taught any of us those things, but by and large, we all know where people rank and we all have an agreed upon sense of where they go. And in a similar regard, in the New Testament, people had these notions of ranking people who had status and people who didn't have status. And in the same way that we do, it was something that everybody seemed to know where on those 10 rungs that everyone would fit. And the question I want us to consider this morning is what is the relationship between humility and status? I mean, if Jesus were given this assignment, what would he do with it? How would he approach it? What would be the implications or the outcome of being able to list people on a hierarchy status? And maybe the first order of business then is to, to, to be able to remind ourselves and to prove that the people in the New Testament world would have thought this way that certain people had a higher status than others. And so we're going to just quickly reference James chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And essentially, James talks about a situation where two different people come in to the church. The first guy comes in wearing a three-piece Armani suit. The other guy comes in wearing a pair of stained sweatpants. And what the church does is they roll out the carpet for Mr. Suit and make sure he gets a really comfortable seat and make sure he's well taken care of but sweatpants guy, they go up to him and say, you know, do you know that we live stream? You might be better off watching this from home in the comfort of your own home. And James asks a question of this situation. And in chapter 2, verse 4, he says, Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And the answer, of course, is yes, James. That's exactly what we did. What we've been doing as a church is we've been borrowing from a cultural playbook 
which says step number one, figure out where people fit on the ladder and then treat them according. Treat them more importantly if they are higher up on the ladder and treat them less important if they're lower on the ladder. But I want to know what Jesus would do differently when it comes to the status ladder. And I think the difference in how Jesus would approach it can be summarized by one word, humility. It is, it is humility that revolutionizes how we are to view and to use these ladders so that we have of status and of importance. So I want to read from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the very nature form of a slave, being born in human likeness. Now, before we get to why this is such a powerful example of status, I want to start by giving you a point of contrast coming from our world. So this information comes from a book called The Anatomy of Peace, where the, the authors introduce us to the fact that we all have different ways of looking at the world. And, and one of these ways of looking at the world is kind of represented by putting on a pair of glasses and everyone looks different through those glasses. And one of the ways of looking at the world is from a better than perspective. When a person is wearing these glasses and they look in the mirror, they believe themselves to be superior and more important and right in comparison to others. But the glasses don't just affect what they see in the mirror. They affect what they see in other people. So those who are better than look at others as inferior, incapable, irrelevant, and wrong. And because this disparity exists, they think that people down here's mission or job in life is to help those who are more important. And if there's anybody in the world who could have justified having a better than perspective, it would be Jesus, wouldn't it? This idea, this notion that Jesus is, is equal to God. Jesus is made in the very form of God. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so Jesus had every right to see himself as superior, to look at others as inferior, and to begin to act and to live in that way. We do recognize when it comes to status, Jesus never denies his status as the one who is the Son of God. But yet what is unique is how he views himself and how he views other people. He does not have an overinflated view of self, nor does he have a lower view of others. And Philippians 2.6 then says, that he did not regard with equality, equality with God as something to be exploited. In other words, this status that Jesus had, it was not something that he should be grasping or holding on to, to use for his own benefit. He did not believe that the status was one for his own luxury or for his own privileges, but instead Jesus believed that the status he had was to be used for the benefit and blessing of all humans. And that becomes a question we can use as a framework as we look at any status that we have. How do I use my status for the benefit and blessing of all? We're told in verse 8 of Philippians 2 that he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I've recently been reading through a book by Robert McKee that teaches people how to write stories. And in the sixth chapter, he talks about character development and he says the best way to develop character is by putting those characters in certain situations. So he says true character is revealed in the choices a human being makes under pressure. The greater the pressure, 
the deeper the revelation. In other words, if you and I are going on a hike and I reach into my bag and I grab a cliff bar and you say, hey, can I have one? And I've got two dozen cliff bars in my bag and I give you one of those. Maybe I am a little generous. Maybe I am a little bit selfless. But now fast forward five days and we, we've got no more. We, we've eaten almost all the cliff bars. We have no other source of food and we're down to a quarter of a cliff bar. And you say, can I have that cliff bar? If in that case, I give it to you, I'm far more generous. I'm far more selfless because there is more cost and risk associated with it. And so what Paul is saying here of Jesus is that the ultimate test of one's willingness to use their status for the benefit and blessing of others is the cross. And it was there on the cross that Jesus gave himself, not for his own sake, but for the sake of others. And Paul tells us about the humility of Jesus, not so that we can have another doctrinal understanding, right? He told us in verse 5 that he wants us to have this same attitude. So this example of Jesus we find in Philippians 2 is supposed to be there for us to imitate, for us to follow the kind of example that Jesus left. And so I want to find out what Jesus could teach us in regards to humility and status. I think the first thing that we need to learn from Jesus is to differentiate between status or role and value or importance. In our culture, it's almost like these two things, your status and your importance are welded together. And every time your status increases, our culture would say, then your importance increases. And because of that, you could just look at other people who have a lower status and say, I'm more important than them. But biblically, the model that we see is something completely different where our importance is always, always much higher than our status. And it doesn't matter what happens to our status, we realize that all people are important and valuable to God. I think biblically, the question we need to ask anytime we experience a change of status is what is different and what is the same? 1 Corinthians chapter, four, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 4 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. What is different? There are different gifts, but what is the same? The same spirit. And as you look at 1 Corinthians 12 and you go through verses 4, 5, 6, and 7, they introduce us to several things that are different and several things that are the same. We learn that things that are different are gifts, services, activities. But what is the same? It's the same spirit, the same Lord the same God. So anytime we experience a change in status, what is different is we have a different role. We may even have a different status that's associated with that, with it, but what is the same? Our value and our worth remains the same and everyone else around us, their value and their worth remains the same. I think there's some helpful humility lessons that we can take out of Luke chapter four, verses seven through 11. And before we tell about that, that situation, I want to remind you of Luke chapter, um, in Luke chapter 14, verse 1, it begins by telling us that Jesus is, was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees. So Jesus is here, is having a conversation with people who have high status. These would be people, if they were to be placed on the ladder, they would go very high up near the top of the ladder, this one who is not just a Pharisee, but is the leader of the Pharisees. And so in Luke 14, verses 7 through 11, Jesus tells a parable, and it essentially goes like this. A guy shows up at one of their banquets. And, and how seating was arranged, they're often be arranged in this kind of like U-shaped table. And wherever the host would sit, the person who is next most important would sit to his right. 
and then to his left. And then you would have status in terms of how close people sat near the host. And so Jesus envisions a scene where a guy comes in and table and seat number five is open. And he's never sat at seat number five. But this has been a pretty good year for him. He's had a pretty successful year at work. Um, He's made more money than he's ever made before. And he thinks, you know what? I think I'm a number five status kind of guy. And he goes and he sits down in that chair. And initially he feels great about that decision. Other people come in and they look at him and say, man, he must have had a really good year. He even heard somebody whisper, man, what does that guy do? And he felt awfully great until, until the host had to come over and say, I'm sorry, my uncle just showed up and he needs this seat. And so in shame and humility, he had to walk down to the very last seat. And Jesus says, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I want to talk about a few observations from this text. First of all, we are not asked to pretend that there's no such thing as status. The the, the whole purpose of this parable, the the whole tension of it, the whole conflict resonates with the fact that there is status. It exists in the world. Jesus is not, as he talks about the kingdom, he's not talking about a place where, where, where there's no difference in status in different roles and in different positions. Jesus acknowledges the world that we live in will have all of these different statuses. In fact, when Jesus hosts his own meal in John 13, he will sit down and he has an inner circle we know, which is James, John, and Peter. And guess who sits right beside Jesus? John does. The disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining right beside him. And so we recognize that there are always will be these sense of status. Jesus is not talking about a world where where Jesus recognizes that there will always be presidents and peasants chief executive officers and cafeteria workers, lawyers and lawn care maintenance people. Jesus recognizes status will be there, but he wants us to relate to status in a completely different and unique way, which we're going to talk about in a minute what that different way is. Second thing we realize is regarding status that we should avoid self-promotion and overestimating our status. The, The only way you look at a higher up status and you say, I deserve that, is if you have better than me glasses that you're wearing. And you think, you say, well, they're not really very good and I should be there. And we self-promote. We move ourselves into these open positions because we think somehow we are better than everyone else. And in a world where there's status, one of the things that we as Christians cannot do is cannot self-promote and cannot overestimate our status. But if God's not opposed to status, then what is status for? What is the purpose of status And what is the role that humility plays in the midst of a world full of different roles and status? In the kingdom of God, God wants positions of status to be filled with humble people. The humble follow the way down and they are exalted by God. Look at Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. This is right after the, the, the text where we're told that Jesus humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then it says, therefore... Because he was willing to do this, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. Jesus now sits in an exalted position and status. Why? Because he took the pathway of humility. God needed somebody who would lead the church, be the head of the church, who was someone who was humble. Very similar text in Acts chapter 5, verse 31. God exalted him, that being Jesus, at his right hand as leader. And Savior. Again, we're not envisioning a world where there are no different roles, no different status. We're envisioning a world 
where those who do have positions of high status only have them because of their humility. This, I think, explains why Jesus said in Luke 14, 11, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I want to look closely at each of the four verbs that are used there. The first, all who exalt themselves is present active. It means the energy and the force is coming from you. It's language we've been using of self-promoting, where, where you, through better than lens, believe what I need to do is I need to move up because I deserve somehow to be in that role or in that position. And the result, Jesus says, of those who exalt themselves, for they will be humbled. This word is future passive. In other words, somebody else is humbling them. It's what most people call a divine passive, whenever it's not specifically said who's going to do it, but the clear implication is that God will do this. God will humble those who seek to self-promote, those who believe they deserve a position of high uh, status. God is going to humble that person. But now let's look at the corollary statement. But those who humble themselves, the verb is present and it is active. You become the moving force behind it. You recognize the only place for you, the only position for you is a place of humility. And you embrace that. One of the things that's important to realize when it comes to this act of humbling is it is appropriate for us to, number one, humble ourselves. You'll find in Scripture it's appropriate for, number two, for God to humble us. God will sometimes be the active force in our being humbled. But there's never a positive single text in Scripture that says it's our job to humble someone else. In English, we've even changed the language when that happens, you humiliated me. It's never our role. We humble ourselves. God humbles us, but we are never to humble someone else. But if we invest our energy, not in exalting ourselves, but in humbling ourselves, then the result is that we will be exalted. Again, it is a future passive. You do not exalt yourself. God is the one who recognizes a person's humility and he will exalt them to a position of status. If you are to be exalted, that will be the work and the decision and the will of God. If you want to get up there, Jesus says the only pathway there is to walk down. So I want to bring it together, a few kind of points of conclusion here. Number one, the problem is not with having seats of honor. The problem is when those who have seats of honor do one of three things. Number one, they start to think of themselves in terms of their worth or value as superior to others, or they start to think of others in terms of worth or value as inferior to them, or they use their position of honor for their own benefit, and they're not willing to use it for the blessing and benefit of others. So the call to humility when it comes to status is to recognize that whatever status we have, without that affecting your view of self or your view of others. And anyone who is in a position of status must use their resources and influence for the benefit and the blessing of others. I'm going to tell four stories that I hope illustrate what this looks like in our world. The first is going to be contrasting a positive example and a negative example. And um, for, for sake of, of respect, you can Google it yourself. I'm going to not name which president finds himself in this first illustration. So a president is taking a trip uh, by train across the country and has been announced to one of these small middle-of-nowhere towns that the president's going to stop by quickly and say a speech. 
And that's the day and age where um, that was a big deal to see a, a, a president. And so people came in early because you never know when the train's going to be there. And so they've been waiting all day. But as the president approaches this little wee town, he says, you know what? I don't want to stop. I don't want to get out and say the speech. And his advisors implore him and beg him. They've come. They've been there for hours. Just at least step outside the door and wave. He says, no, too much energy, too much of an inconvenience for me. So his advisors go up to the train conductor and they say, can we at least just slowly drive through this town? And as they approach the town, they drive through, they go back to the president and say, would you at least open your shade and look out and wave at people as you drive by? And he said, no, I'm not willing to do that. To me, seems like somebody who has a better than view. That, 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 that he's not going to waste his time or his energy in appeasing to some people who live in this small, insignificant town in the middle of America. Contrast that to another president, Harry Truman. When it was his birthday, the White House staff did what they always did. They made him a birthday cake. And after they made him a birthday cake, Harry Truman insisted on going into the kitchen and thanking the kitchen staff. And the kitchen staff, who that's back in the day where people would work in the kitchen for decades, several of them said, I've never ever seen any president come into the kitchen for anything, let alone to say thank you. I will say this, one other person in the kitchen staff said, actually, there was a president who used to come in. He came in to make sure we weren't giving food away to poor people. But that's what I think humility looks like. This recognition, I'm not better than you, and you're not less than me. I have a role, and you have a role, but we're all equal in God's eyes. I think two other stories that I think well illustrate this is the story of Esther in the Old Testament. Esther, of course, um, we know became the queen of Persia. And so she had a, a high status position. She was a Jewish person, but nobody knew that she was Jewish. And simultaneously, there is a plan to exterminate all the Jewish people. And the man who raised her, Mordecai, came to Esther and said, maybe God put you in this position, gave you this status for such a time as this. But there was a huge risk to her. And she had to decide, is my position for my benefit? Or for others' benefit. I mean, am I just content? Because I might lose all my manicures and my pedicures. I might l- lose my nice linen sheets if I say something. You remember what Esther did? She decided ultimately, if I perish, I perish. And she was willing to put her life online because she knew she had a status that she could use for the benefit and blessing of the people of God. And the final illustration is the one that we've shared already. While Esther had the possibility that she might perish, Jesus had the assurance that if he did what the Father willed him to do, he would perish. That he would give his life for people. If you were the Son of God, and God asked you to give your life for them, is there any part of you that might say, for them? You want me to do that for them? But that's what Christ does. He humbles himself. In fact, he says that he came not to be served, but to serve. He completely inverts his status that these are the people that help him. He says, my position is in order to help all people. I think Jesus illustrates humility. It is the noble choice to humbly recognize whatever status you have without it affecting your view of yourself in terms of raising yourself up, without it in fact impacting your view of others by putting others down. And using whatever position you have for the blessing and benefit of others. As we enter into this week, my prayer is that you will do the same thing. doesn't matter what job you have. 
what occupation you have, you have some influence. And my prayer is that you look at that way as a way to say, how do I use this position I have to be a blessing and to benefit other people? So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And as we go, here's why we don't think we're better than others, because we know that what is empowering us is the very presence of God. We go with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We go with the love of God, and we go with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. May God bless you as you head into this week. Um, In a moment, we're going to sing a song, and if you want to respond in any way, you want somebody to pray with you, you want to talk about where you're at in your spiritual journey, just come and find uh, one of us in the back, and we'd be happy to pray with you and talk about what God's up to in your life. Let's go and stand and sing together.